What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. And today's episode, I've got a very important topic to discuss. This is something that comes up frequently, especially when working with clients, because we have a lot of clients that come to us with not the best relationship with food. Uh, there's, there seems to be a lot of disordered eating behaviors or just overall like stress and obsession around food, which is totally normal, by the way. You have to understand that dieting and the way that it's traditionally prescribed can be really damaging. And oftentimes we see disordered eating behaviors. We see a poor relationship with food. We see dichotomous thinking around food. And sometimes that can lead to a really bad relationship with certain tools like tracking macros or like weighing yourself. And what I wanted to break down on this episode is the correlation or the connection between macros, tracking your intake, not specifically macros, but any form of tracking your intake with disordered eating. Is there a connection? What can we learn from research? What can we learn from anecdotal evidence? I have a lot to say on this topic. It's an important conversation, and I just want to bring some awareness to it, especially if you are somebody who is trying to pursue a physical goal, if you want to pursue fat loss, if you want to get leaner, or if you're somebody who has had a dark dieting history, if you've had a poor relationship with food or your body and you are trying to heal, if you are trying to improve in those areas, this is the episode for you. And if you enjoy the conversation, if you enjoy what I have to say on the topic, I would love to hear about it. As always, you should know this by now, the best way to support the show is to leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes, and to spread the word. The more people that hear this message, the more people we help. And we're all in this together because if we are going to change the way that nutrition is approached, if we're going to change the way that dieting is approached, if we're going to help people heal the relationship with food, it takes a team effort. So if you can share by posting it to your stories. So you would take a screenshot of the episode, post it to your stories on Instagram, tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner, or you can do the simple link share method where you just copy the episode link and you send it to whoever you think would benefit. I greatly appreciate it and enjoy the episode. All right. Welcome everybody who is tuning in on the podcast. We are live inside the Facebook group as we are every Monday at five o'clock Eastern. You can always join the conversation and hang out with me in the Facebook group. It's called the personality diet and neurotype training. If you go on Facebook and you search the personality diet and neurotype training, you will see it and you can join. And we have a ton of free resources in the group to help you out. And today's topic is a interesting one. It's kind of a touchy subject, depending on who you're talking to. Um, There are a lot of people who have a poor relationship with macro tracking, calorie counting, any any sort of like measurable data when it comes to nutrition. 
And it's not just with tracking food, but there are a lot of people who have issues with tracking body weight and macros and the scale. We, we often talk about the fact that they are simply tools, but just like any tool, it can be used or abused. And I thought it was important to shine some light on this topic. Are macros responsible for disordered eating behaviors? Do they lead to disordered eating behaviors? Is there a correlation? Is there a connection? Are there things that we need to look out for? And we help a lot of people heal their relationship with food. We help a lot of people um, build a strong and healthy and loving relationship with food and their bodies. And, and that's really what we do. And so I thought it was important to have this conversation because we do have a lot of clients that come to us from a disordered background and a long history of really restrictive diets. And sometimes there can be tension when we talk about tracking calories, tracking macros. And so I really wanted to break that down. Um, before I get into that, there's, there's a couple of things that I wanted to mention first. And I'm going to start with something that is not serious. And then I'm going to go into something that is very serious. On a lighter note, I wanted to remind you that we have a new sponsor for the podcast. And this particular sponsor makes for an amazing Valentine's Day gift. And we are almost at Valentine's Day. So if you have a man in your life that you would like to treat to the best Valentine's Day gift ever, then you should probably hook them up with our new sponsor, which is Manscaped. Manscaped is hooking up all Mind Over Macros listeners to 20% off and free shipping off of all of their products. So you can go to manscaped.com and you can get an amazing Valentine's Day gift for the special man in your life to help him with a cleaner package, if you know what I'm saying. A groomed package, a well-groomed package that actually helps you unless you're getting it for like a relative, then that's just weird. Um, it's not weird to get it for your relative, but it's weird to think about it in that context. Uh, but Manscaped is a product that I use personally. Yes, I, I keep things nice and clean down there because it makes me feel better. And it's a, it's a serious problem. We struggle with that. Men, we struggle with being able to keep things clean down there because it's very strange to try and navigate. You're trying to get some of those hairs out. You want to keep it nice and clean, but it's tough. So Manscaped solves that problem. I've never had an issue, not even a nick, not even a, you know, nothing. It's always, it's always smooth sailing. Uh, it, they have body wash, they have shampoo, they have a lip balm, they have not, they have nose hair trimmer, all the things that you need to keep yourself well-groomed. They've got you covered. I'm happy that they're a new sponsor of the show because I use it. I only talk about products that I actually use. We only have two sponsors. You hear me talk about it every Monday. Manscaped is one. And uh, you can go to manscaped.com. Use code POPFAM, P-O-P-F-A-M. Use it at checkout. Get yourself 20% off. Get an amazing gift for that special man in your life for Valentine's Day and get yourself free shipping. Um, so that was my less serious conversation that I wanted to have before we get into the whole conversation around macros and disordered eating. But I have something 
that is more serious to discuss first. And I'm just going to come right out and say it. Some of you listening to this right now, some of you listening to this right now need to absorb and process this message. You need to let these words sink in to your pores. You need to let these words hit you in the gut because it's coming right for your gut. A lot of you right now in this moment need to get off the fucking sidelines. Some of you right now in this moment need to get off the fucking sidelines because nothing happens on the sidelines. You can't progress on the sidelines. You can't win from the sidelines. You have to get in the game. You have to play. You have to get in the game. Stop waiting. Stop sitting on the sidelines. Stop believing your excuses. How many times are you going to tell yourself the same story? How much more time are you going to waste doing the same shit that you've always done? Trying to figure things out on your own. How has that worked out so far? Has that moved you forward? Has that unlocked the freedom that you deserve? Has that given you the body that you desire? Has that given you the results forever? No, because if it did, it would have happened already. Why are we continuously going down this same cycle, this rinse and repeat cycle, sitting on the sidelines, believing your excuses, waiting for the right time, the right moment, wasting energy, wasting money, wasting time? adding frustration and stress to your plate that does not need to exist. Some of you need to allow these words to rinse over you and absorb it. Let it process because here's the, here's the problem. Sometimes we like to look out at all of the reasons why we're not successful. We look out the window and everything out there, right? We look out the window, everything out there, is the reason why we're not where we want to be. It's everything else out there. The problem with that window is that sometimes it's actually a mirror. Sometimes we're actually looking at a mirror and it's not a window at all. And it's just you. It's just you. Get off the sidelines. Get in the game. Here's what I don't understand. There's this concept that I call, and it's not something that I made up, but it's, there's a concept that's called asymmetrical risk. That means that you have two choices and the risk for one choice is not equal to the risk for the other choice, not a 50-50 coin flip. It's asymmetrical, right? If I were to bet money on heads versus tails, that's symmetrical risk. I have a 50% chance of hitting heads and I have a 50% chance of hitting tails. Asymmetrical risk is when one side is weighted, okay? When you continue to do the same shit that you've always done, you are taking asymmetrical risk to the downside. When you continue to restrict calories, when you eat 1,200 calories per day, when you eliminate foods that you love, 
when you don't take the time to learn how to sustain your results, when you try to do this all on your own because you know what to do, but you're just not doing it, that's called asymmetrical risk to the downside. That means you have very little chance of success. That is not me being a dick. That is me telling you the truth. We have real evidence and data to support this. We're not just creating a narrative. We're using real life to come up with what are the odds of being successful. I like to stack the odds in my favor. We know that if you go down the traditional dieting path and you don't get help, your chances of success are less than 5%. So you're playing this asymmetrical risk game with all of the risk to the downside. You have a very little chance of being successful. Here's what a lot of people don't know. I used to work for another company. Some of you know who that company is. Some of you have followed me since I worked for that company. What you probably don't know is that I had access to see the results behind the scenes, meaning they had an app with user data that plotted out goals versus current trends. So we could see how clients were progressing. We could actually look and analyze the data. Are people hitting their weight loss goals or are they moving further away? The scary thing about that is the data told us there was about 1%, 1% success rate. That's crazy. Traditionally, it's about 5%. Now, that's called asymmetrical risk to the downside. Can you possibly be that 1%? Of course, there's a reason why it's 1%. Could you be the 5% who jumps into some other ridiculous protocol? Of course. That's asymmetrical risk to the downside. Now, you might be asking, why does it exist that way? And that's a great question to ask yourself because the way that most programs are set up is they require everything to go right in order for you to be successful. They require perfection. They require rigidity. They require all of the things lined up, eight, nine, 10 different things that have to go right in order for you to be successful. There's a, a whole to-do list. There's what you can do and what you can't do. When you have to follow such a rigid plan, it doesn't account for real life. It doesn't account for randomness. It doesn't account for time. It doesn't account for the normal shit that happens when things get stressful, when life gets in the way. When you try to do all of these things and all of these things are required for success, and then you have that one day where everything goes to shit, now you feel like a failure. So you stop doing all those things. And guess what? It was never sustainable to begin with. There's a reason why most people gain the weight back after they lose it. It's because they're playing this game with asymmetrical risk to the downside. You're basically saying, I'm either going to be perfect or I'm going to start over. And perfection has never won. Perfection is not attainable. 
So you're setting yourself up for failure each time you do a program like this. Or on the flip side, we can focus on one to two things at a time to build a really strong foundation. If you're in our challenge, you know we're doing this challenge called Raise the Floor, where we're not trying to beat our best every single day. We're just trying to get a little bit better than our worst, where we don't have a zero day. We do one thing every single day that moves us forward, even if that one thing is just a 10-minute walk or drinking some water or being kinder to yourself. Whatever that one thing is, we're doing it. And we're not expecting perfection. And we're actually creating behavior change for the long haul that's sustainable. And we're making it part of your lifestyle so that you can do this forever. There's no deadline. There's no finish line. We're not in a rush here. We're doing this forever. Now what happens when randomness gets in the way? When life gets in the way, you still fall down, but you don't fall down as far. You're falling down to a much higher floor. That's how we keep asymmetrical risk to the upside because the rarity is going to be when you are perfect. That's going to be the abnormal situation. We plan for failure. We plan for inconsistencies. We plan for randomness. And when we plan for all of those things and we build it into the process, the days and the weeks and the months where things go really, really well, that's just bonus. That's just collapsing time. That is the asymmetrical risk to the upside. We know that our base level shit is going to move the needle forward slow and steady. The asymmetrical risk is to the upside. If you think about how our program is structured, our one-on-one coaching program has a results guarantee or you don't pay anything. Who else does that? Who else tells you to join? And if you're not satisfied with your results, we give you your money back. That is asymmetrical risk to the upside. Think about it this way. You either go through our program, get the results that you desire, improve your relationship with food, have everything that you want out of life, physically, mentally. If you look at all of our testimonials, you'll see most of our clients kind of casually mention the physical results. Like, oh, by the way, I'm down 80 pounds. I'm down 50 pounds. I'm down 20 pounds, whatever it may be. They're like, the real win is that I can fucking live my life. I don't stress about food. I don't stress about what I'm doing. I get to eat, I get to live, and I get to be the best version of me. I look better than I ever have. I feel better than I ever have. So you either get that outcome or it costs you nothing. That's called asymmetrical risk to the upside. You have zero downside other than, look, nothing's a guarantee. So let's say that you don't get results even though our success rate is really fucking high. But let's say that you don't because nothing's a guarantee. Okay, so what did you miss out on? Where's the downside? It costs you nothing. You probably learned something because we like to educate 
We like to create a, a place, come from a place of empowerment, give you the tools to know this shit for yourself. So you either walk away having learned something, cost you nothing, a little bit of time, but how are you going to spend that time anyway? So there's your downside. Okay. Basically, you're at base level or a little bit beyond base level. There's your downside. The asymmetrical risk is to the upside because the results are getting the body you desire, improving your relationship with food, having total food freedom, keeping your results for life, and knowing how to do this on your own. There is literally zero reason. There's zero downside. There's zero reason for you to not join. Nobody else does this. Every other program that I can think of is asymmetrical risk to the downside. And that's just the way that I like to see things for what they are and come from a place of evidence, historical evidence, data. Let's look at your own history and let's make decisions based off of real life examples. Let's stop believing our own bullshit and sitting on the sidelines. Get in the game. Literally, get in the game. You have to play. Otherwise, you're choosing certain misery, which is totally normal. By the way, most humans prefer certain misery. Most humans prefer certain misery to the misery of uncertainty. So the situation that you're in that you're continuing to choose, it's comfortable, it's familiar, but you're turning your back on asymmetrical risk to the upside. That's how we built this. We built this to succeed or to come at zero cost to you. Meaning the worst case scenario is it costs you nothing and you're still at baseline but you still learn some shit along the way. So now tell me again what your excuses are. Tell me again how you haven't joined coaching. Tell me again how you're going to figure this out on your own. Look in that window, except it's actually a mirror. Look out there at all the other things that you want to point to, except it's actually a mirror. Don't try to solve this right now. Everybody wants to you know, something hits, it resonates, it hits you in the gut. And everybody wants to solve it immediately. Just let it sit, absorb it, process it, be honest with yourself. What do you really want to accomplish? Why would you put yourself in a position where it's only downside, asymmetrical risk to the downside? We have the evidence here to support this. Okay. It's an important thing to understand. You have to look at what you've been through already. What hasn't worked? Why are you going to try the same thing that hasn't worked? Why are you going to go through that same struggle and hope that it's going to be different? It's, it's the devil, you know, because it's comforting. You've been there before. It feels familiar, but that's not how change happens. We literally built this to control for randomness, to control for life happening, to control for failure. By the way, you learn way more from your failures than you do from your successes. We embrace that. 
we built this to be anti-fragile. We built this because we want your baseline to be above where you are. Raise the floor. Continue to progress. There's zero downside. You join coaching. All of the asymmetrical risk is to the upside. Okay, so just think about it. Be honest with yourself. Don't try to solve this right now. But if you're feeling like, oh, shit, I should probably get in the game, you should probably listen to your instinct. Your gut instinct will tell you what's right. The more that you ignore it, the more you remain stuck. I've seen too many people, same same situation for too long. Like sometimes I just have to come out and say it because it's the only way to wake certain people up. It's the only way. Sometimes I just have to be the asshole who says it because you need to hear it. And then once you realize that you're actually looking at a mirror and you're not looking at a window, now you can do something about it. Get in the game. Stop sitting on the sidelines. All right. Now that I just went on a 30-minute rant, we should probably talk about the, uh, the whole topic here, which is macros and disordered eating behavior. So I think that it's, it's first important that we qualify what we're talking about with, with disordered eating because I'm using that phrase intentionally. There is a difference between an eating disorder and disordered eating. An eating disorder would be clinically diagnosed. Now, I've talked a lot about my past with disordered eating. And I use that phrase on purpose because I was never clinically diagnosed. Um, my sister is a therapist that treats eating disorders. And she was the one that brought to my attention that I might have orthorexia, but I never got an official clinical diagnosis. So I am intentional about saying disordered eating. So when we look at macros, we actually, let's, let's not even talk about macros quite yet. Let's just talk about dieting in general. So with dieting, I think the statistics are 20% of dieters will develop some form of disordered eating. Now, again, going back to what I just talked about, how most diets are structured, there's a lot of restriction. There's a lot of rules. There's a lot of rigidity. There's a lot of sacrifices. It doesn't allow you to live your life. So it makes sense. Um, it's, it's really unfortunate because I wish that we would change the entire landscape, but we can only do one step at a time. So dieting in general comes with the potential risk of disordered eating. So you would think that something as rigid as macro counting, calorie counting would, would exacerbate that issue. Uh, and there was a really cool study that was done to test this hypothesis. And so the goal of the study was to see if there was any correlation between tracking macros and disordered eating behaviors. Now, it's really hard to quantify that, like what constitutes as disordered eating behaviors, because it can be a little bit subjective. Um, so the researchers tried to put some parameters on it by looking at uh, you know, a self-reported 
survey of kind of like the, the psychological well-being around what they were doing. The cool part about the way that the study was done was the participants didn't know it had anything to do with disordered eating because that could have tarnished the results. So they thought they were just participating. It was actually done at a university and they thought they were just participating in a study for an app with like uh, wellness, like a wellness app and uh, for college students. So they got a lot of applications for, from students and uh, you know, filtered down the results and ended up with 200 students that were participating and they were all women. So what they wanted to do was they wanted to look at the women who were assigned a app for like MyFitnessPal um, for monitoring their, their dietary intake. Uh, would they then report an increase in disordered eating or a increase in the potential risk of eating disorders. So what they thought they would find was that the self-monitoring would lead to poor mental health outcomes um, given the impact of self-monitoring, self-nutrition you know, weighing, uh, things like that, because the, the researchers believe that within our population, Anytime there's a focal point on like rigid weighing, whether it's like scale weight, nutrition, things like that, um, that it impacts mental health. So this was their hypothesis that they wanted to, to confirm or refute. They believed that they would see poor mental health outcomes from the group that was given the uh, self-monitoring for their nutrition. So what they did was they had the 200 women come in and they did like a pre-survey before anything started. So they got like a baseline level um, asking about their, you know, um, just kind of well-being around, around food and their thoughts around food, things like that. Um, and then they had them randomly assigned. Uh, so they were split up into two different groups. Um, one month of diet tracking with my fitness pal and one month of no intervention. So that was like the control group. And what was interesting was that the researchers did not observe any significant negative effects on eating disorder risk, anxiety, depressive symptoms, body satisfaction, quality of life, eating behaviors, physical activity, screen time, or other forms of weight-related self-monitoring. So for individuals without a current or previous eating disorder diagnosis, tracking with a diet app did not negatively impact psychological outcomes or increase eating disorder risk. Now, what they also concluded was that simply tracking their food did not impact other health-related behaviors, which I thought was interesting because they were monitoring their intake, but they didn't use that as kind of a, a launch pad to other health promoting behaviors, which, which was, I thought, an interesting thing. So the, the interesting part that for me is the fact that my conclusion all along has been, and my belief all along has been that macros and the scale are simply tools. And 
when somebody has a poor relationship with a tool, it's usually not the tool's fault. And it's not, I'm not saying that as, as a way to say it's the person's fault. I'm saying that it's the responsibility of the individual through therapy or intervention or whatever to get to the root of that tarnished relationship. Why is there a poor relationship with the scale? Why is there a poor relationship with tracking macros? That is the answer. It's not that macros are inherently bad. It's not that the scale is inherently bad. They are simply tools, ways to measure. That's it. So if somebody is triggered by that, there's a reason for it. Now, what we do know is that somebody who has a pre-existing diagnosis is very likely to be triggered by tracking macros because it can bring up those restrictive thoughts. It can trigger some of those old beliefs and those that the old way of thinking. We see that time and time again. What this study helped to show was that it likely wasn't the macros that led to that behavior, but it was also it was likely somebody who was predisposed or who had some kind of a trauma or something else that led to the diagnosis that led to the eating disorder. And then doing something like tracking macros can, can make it worse or it can bring back um, some of those symptoms and, and some of the ways that it manifests. But the somebody who does not have that pre-existing condition or diagnosis, simply tracking macros is not going to, on average, based off of this study. Now, we can always poke holes in studies. So uh, for me, it's like I would love to see longer than two months of data. Um, so that was the first shortcoming that I immediately was like, well, two months is two months. Let's see a longer study. So we're, we can always poke holes, but it's really cool to start having some research to talk about this, which kind of confirms what I've experienced from working with a lot of people. You know, I we have worked with a lot of clients over the years, and most of the time there's no issue. Uh, most of the time tracking is totally fine. And uh, sometimes we have to work through the obsessive tendencies, but like that's pretty easy for us. Um, you know, when we're when we're working with a client, it's usually pretty easy for us to remove the perfectionist tendencies from macros. It's usually pretty easy for us to start building in a little bit more freedom and flexibility and get this person to to ease up a bit. And then it's funny because typically when we do that, they start to make more progress, and they're like, "Well, this is amazing. I'm stressing less about macros, and I'm." making more progress than I ever have. It's like, well, yeah, that, that's kind of the point. It goes hand in hand frequently. Um, but we do often have individuals um, that come to us and they are triggered by tracking macros. So we, we come up with a different approach. Because it's just one tool, we have plenty of other tools in the toolbox to be able to utilize for somebody who might have a pre-existing diagnosis. And by the way, what we do here at POP, we don't treat or cure or do anything um, to, to treat an eating disorder. When I say we improve relationship with food, I'm not talking about fixing an eating disorder. I'm talking about mindset relationship with food that's separate from somebody who needs direct counseling from an expert therapy, something like that. So I think they complement each other. I think when you are prioritizing yourself, 
when you're prioritizing your mental health, when you're prioritizing your physical health, it all works synergistically. Uh, we have a lot of clients that do both. They, they work with one of our coaches and they work with a therapist. And typically those clients are in a great headspace uh, because they're, they're getting, they're, you know, they're really getting the, the self-care, the guidance, the support that they need um, to get to that place of food freedom. Um, so we, we've dealt with it a lot, but it, it kind of confirms what we've seen over the years is that it's not the, the tracking itself. It's typically something that's causing tension there. It's a pre-existing belief or, you know, from past history, past trauma, the way that they were raised, the environment they were raised in, um, you know, parents, uh, maybe a teacher, like there's always something that has driven that behavior and that mindset. So when somebody's triggered by the scale or when somebody's triggered by macros, we don't need those things. We can get rid of those things from the process. They, they're just data. It's just tracking. It's just measurements. Um, so hopefully that all makes sense. But I thought it was really cool to start having some evidence and some research to support what I think um, you know, I've witnessed. And now keep in mind with any of this stuff, we never want to just draw blanket conclusions because you might be an individual. Remember, studies report averages. So you might be an individual who does not have a pre-existing condition, who does not have a, a, an eating disorder, a history of eating disorders. However, you might also be an individual who struggles with macros, who struggles with the mental side of it who finds it tedious, who finds it obsessive, who finds it stressful. And that's totally okay. The important thing to remember is that everybody's response is going to be unique. We can use evidence and science and, and data to support a hypothesis and look at averages to give us some information. But we never want to use that to then make blanket recommendations. And I use the example where uh, you know the average height of a man in the US is five foot nine. Okay, so we can use data and evidence to say, all right, on average, the height of, of men in America is five foot nine. Now, that doesn't mean that I would prescribe clothing for every man in America to fit a five foot nine body. That's where individual variance comes into play. So it's cool to look at studies, it's cool to look at the research and say, you know what, this is kind of what I'm seeing too. This kind of supports the anecdotal evidence. But at the end of the day, what works is what works for each individual. So we're never going to ignore the individual component. That's where the magic happens, knowing what works for you as an individual. So I hope that makes sense. And you know, I think that it's important to remember that if you are struggling with something like that, um, it, it's important to get help. It's important to ask for help. It's important to get support. Um, those are the things that why, like, why allow that problem to exist longer than it needs to. Um, this might be just you know the overall theme of today is just get, just getting in the game, getting off the sidelines, asking for help, asking for guidance, um, you know, support. Like anytime, anytime you struggle with something, there there's a way to fill that that gap. And, and, you know, we talk about this a lot, like our, our whole theme right now 
is closing the gap. The whole theme that we're working with for this challenge and the, and the thing that I've been talking about a lot lately is closing the gap. So many people are, are not where they want to be, but they and they just keep adding more and they keep doing things that are diametrically opposed to getting the result that they want. So it's like, hey, you know, I really want to accomplish this result. I really want to lose, you know, 20 pounds and I want a better relationship with food. And I want to stop stressing about food all the time. I want to go out to eat with my family and do all these things. And then they're like, yeah, but I'm, I'm just going to try to figure it out on my own. Well, that is diametrically opposed to the outcome that you want because we know from history, doing it on your own has not been successful. So you're putting all of the asymmetrical risk to the downside. You're stacking the odds against yourself. So you say you want something. Put the asymmetrical risk to the upside, right? Those problems don't need to exist. We can always close the gap. We can, oh, even if it's super simple, like we don't even have to think big picture. We can think small here. There's always a way to fill that void. That's, by the way, this exact concept is the way that I think about supplements. When somebody asks me about supplements, my question is, what void are we filling? What gap are we filling? That's the question. Hey, should I take this protein supplement? What gap are we filling? Well, I really struggle to get in enough protein. Great. Have you tried increasing protein with food? Yeah, I'm just, I'm still struggling. Okay. Well, it sounds like based off of the gap that you're filling, getting more protein through a supplement is probably going to be beneficial for you, right? Like what gap are we filling? Hey, I'm really struggling to get in my veggies. Okay. Should I take a green supplement? What gap are we filling? I just can't get in enough veggies. And you've tried cooking them different ways. You've tried prepping them ahead of time. Yeah. You know, it's just really a struggle for me. Okay, great. Sounds like filling that gap with some greens is a good idea for you, right? What gap are we filling? And then of course I send them to Organifi so they can get their 20% off. Um, as always, actually, somebody just messaged me and was like, what's the greens that you always talk about? Cause I'm struggling. Like this exact situation just happened in my DMS on Instagram. What's that greens you always talk about? I'm really struggling to get in enough veggies. Organifi, organifi.com slash pop fam. Use code pop fam, 20% off all of their products. What gap are you filling? Struggling to wind down at night? Want to use their gold juice? That makes a lot of sense. What else have you tried though? Like, let's try to close the gap. Have you tried a wind down routine? Have you shut down blue lights early? Have you shut off caffeine early? You know, like what, what have you tried so far? Then do we need to close the gap even further with something like their gold juice? That's typically my question. What gap are we filling? It doesn't have to be this big, you know, grand thing like coaching. We can break it down even further, like supplements. That's always going to be the question. And if you do need the greens drink, <laughs> the greens juice or the gold juice, it's Organifi.com slash PopFam. Use code PopFam, 20% off all of their products. But what gap are we filling? When I talk about, when I, when I write and I get response, you know, emails back, messages, DMs, and I have these conversations and I ask these questions and then the individual still stays on the sideline. That's where I'm coming from 
with this message. Asymmetrical risk. It's never going to be 50-50 unless you're flipping a coin. Asymmetrical risk exists in a lot of things. Are you stacking that to the upside? Are you stacking it to the downside? Look at historical evidence. Have you done the same shit that failed before or you lost weight and gained it back? Are you going back to the 1,200 calories that you couldn't sustain before? That's asymmetrical risk to the downside. Or can you find a program that literally gives you a base level with all of the risk to the upside? It's scary to make that decision. But when you know that the absolute worst case scenario is you don't get the result, doesn't cost you anything, and you probably learned some shit along the way, how are you not moving forward? What's your excuse? I actually want to know, what's the excuse? It can't be time. Can't be financial. We know definitively that you're going to spend way more money in the long run. We know that also. So what is it? It's choosing certain misery. It's believing your excuses. It's thinking that you're looking out at a window when it's really a mirror. Everything else out there, it's not the right time. You know that's a lie. I don't know if I'll commit. You're keeping yourself stuck. I'm not sure if I'm going to commit and follow through. Right. You want to stay on the sidelines. You want to stay comfortable because it's scary to get in the game. You know what else is scary? Staying the same for fucking years. That's scary. I don't know who needs to hear this, but I know somebody does. And I know that somebody is going to actually process and absorb what I'm saying. And that somebody is going to be moved to listen to their instinct. And that somebody is going to reach out and say, hey, Mike, I need some help. Do you think I'd be a good fit for your coaching program? And I'm going to say, let's have a conversation and find out. And that person is going to say, you know what? I need this because I deserve this. And everything that I've been doing up until this point has not been working. And I've wasted enough time trying bullshit tactics that don't work. And I'm ready for real change. So let's fucking go. And that's the person that I'm talking to right now. That's all I care about. If tomorrow I learn of a better way, I will be the first to tell you. All I want is for you to be successful and to stop struggling unnecessarily. That's it. That's all that I want for you. Whether that's with me, whether that's with somebody else, there are a lot of good coaches out there, by the way. There are some amazing coaches out there. I've had a lot of them on this show. A lot of amazing coaches out there. That's asymmetrical risk to the upside as well. When somebody has a proven track record of accomplishing what you want to accomplish, it's a pretty good sign that that's who you should be working with. But also measure that against what you've previously done. Because if I had a coach that showed a lot of fancy outcomes, but then tried to put me on a restrictive meal plan, 
I would tell them to fuck off because I know from my history that that will not work. That coach would be putting me in a position of asymmetrical risk to the downside. I really hope that this is landing. Guys, there's, there's zero risk involved. The way that we have structured things, we've literally made it impossible to fail. There is no failure. There's no guarantee. If you don't get the result, cool. You know how many people that we've had have asked for their money back because they, haven't res- because they didn't get the result they wanted? One. It's happened one time. Which means that your chances of success are very high. That's it. Asymmetrical risk to the upside. It's how we coach. That's how we coach. We put our clients in a position where it's only upside. That's how we structured our coaching program, where if you join, it's only upside. But you don't have to listen to me. It's okay. I just tell it like it is. I call it like I see it. And that's all I can do. So if this resonates, if it makes sense, hopefully somebody out there will let it absorb, will process, and will take some fucking action and get off the sideline. You guys know that it's all coming from a place of love and passion because I want to see you succeed. I love you guys, and I will talk to you all very soon.